All right, we live. You ready to do this, Dr. Crew? I'm ready to do this. Let's do it. It's time for another episode of the Daily K Podcast on KTV.com with your host, Kendrick Thomas. Bridging the gap Here's KT. What it do, KTTV? This is KT, and I'm coming at you live with another episode of the Daily K Podcast. And on today's episode, whoo, I brought a vet in the game in the building. We got Gary's <laughs> superintendent of A-Leaf ISD, Dr. Cecilia Crill. How you doing? Today, I am doing amazing. I'm doing amazing. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you guys today. Look, look, I, like I said, we was off. This just like a master class with so much experience, uh, so many accolades just in the game of, of just caring about educators, leaders, and also young adults for so long. So looking forward to the conversation, everything you got to bring tonight. All right. So before we do that, though, I always like to do a check in because we know it's been crazy in these streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> how are you um, and how have you been doing uh, during the pandemic, both? I guess personally and professionally. Well, I'm I'm adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at one point, personally and professionally, I felt very much like a cage bird. Um, and you know, I, I just I'm one of those people that I, I need to fly, yeah. right? So um, when I feel caged in, it's just you know, I guess a level of anxiety, mm-hmm. specifically when you know COVID and the pandemic first started. Um, it was very very difficult um, to make that adjustment, but I think that I have. Um, it, you know, what we do as educators all the time is adjusting, right? Most we do that because that's what we do. So, um, up to this point, you know, things have been good. Of course, there were some, you know, like I said, some, uh, how, how should I say it? Some valleys, hey. right? Hey. Okay. There were definitely some valleys throughout this, uh, pandemic and, and, you know, you still will, will see some of the effects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I've adjusted pretty well and trying to, you know, just kind of get back to some sense of normalcy. I'll tell you one thing about them valleys. They definitely make you enjoy those peaks. Oh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my friends, look, man, how are you setting yourself up? Uh, that was one of my favorite books uh, in college, Peaks and Valleys. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, yeah. I keep it in the office. Say, look, hold this if you struggle. Exactly. <laughs> so as I learned more about you, uh, you know, just looking at the dissertation from 2013, mm-hmm. shout out, congratulations for the Walk of Fame. Oh, uh, I thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like I said earlier, it's clear to see that you've been dedicating uh, your work to changing the lives of young adults and school leaders. So mm-hmm. as I look through all of the experience in secondary education, what really prompted you to lean toward that look? Uh, Well, I kind of have to give you some history, um, if that's okay. Uh, I did not go to school to become an educator. I graduated from Willow Ridge High School, and I went to Prairie View A&M University, and I majored in electrical engineering technology, okay? And I went that route because I was good at math. You know, I didn't have somebody to say, "Um, just because you're good in math doesn't mean you're going to want to be an engineer, okay? Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like, you know, make a little money, right? Got a little skill set. So I actually went to Prairie View, like I said, and I majored in electrical engineering technology, but I had an opportunity as a junior uh, to work for 3M. So I went up to Minneapolis, Minnesota, had an internship, and it was not what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it the, the, the level of, I mean, it was just so sterile. And I'm, you know, I'm just not used to that. 
So I knew I was going to go back and get my degree because I was a junior. Like I was not going to start over. Um, uh, so I, I got that degree. And then, of course, you know, you, you, I'm going to work like I'm not going to live off of anybody, parents included. So I began subbing. I started substituting in um, A-Leaf and Fort Bend. And there was something about A-Leaf. I just I don't know what it, I cannot describe it to. technology started at uh oh there we go started okay. at uh Hastings High School and Elsick High School come on now um, after after having a, a little short stint at Ollie Middle School I knew middle school was not my spot okay uh, <laughs> my personality is much more geared toward a high school uh atmosphere so mm-hmm. Uh, like I said I became a sub I went back and forth between Elsick and Hastings and uh became a teacher um at Elsick, where uh, I went through the temporary certification process. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. I had enough math hours, right? I was in yeah. a major. Uh, so went through that process, became a math teacher, loved it. Like, I mean, I've loved every part of my career. So I was a math teacher for six years, and then I became an assistant principal at Taylor High School. I was in that position for five, and then I became an associate principal of instruction at Taylor High School. I was in that position for five as well. And now let me just tell you, and I want anybody out there to not allow, I guess, what people think is normal to deter you from whatever goals you have, Um, because what's normal or what people would call normal is that you have to go exactly air quotes. You have to be a middle school principal before you can be a high school principal like you just do. Well, that wasn't the path God had for me. Right. Um, I went over to, first of all, I didn't even think I was going to get the job in Fort Bend. I just knew it was time for me to sit behind that interview table because, you you know, you get rusty. So, you know, sit behind the interview table and uh, kind of sharpen your saw. And and I, I clearly, I guess my saw was sharp because okay. <laughs> it was literally the next day where they were calling for me to uh, become the principal at Bush High School. So my career has, it, I mean, the entirety has been high school. Um and I love, I, I just love, I said, that atmosphere because you get to, you know, you still get to see kids grow, even though, you know, for most people, they think, oh, that's the big kids now. Well, they are. They're still kids. Yeah. Um, but you get to see them from nine through 12. You get to experience that um, extracurricular, which is where you really get to build connections with kids. And so for me, um, you know, high school, yeah. it, it was my spot. And it, it, was, it, it was written. It was written. It was written. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, uh, man. And uh, just thinking about that math, as I put the flyers out, it was so many people saying, oh, that was my math teacher. Yes. I said, <laughs> oh, man, that is cool. Uh, but, you know, yes. it's, it's nothing like being able to see students. Like some of these people work in the district. So, you know, just coming back and saying, hey. I Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm thinking I have 17 schools. I have a a very I could two two hands the kids that I've actually had at some point in my career and they leave wow. two hands at least two hands yeah. so yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Let's see here. Uh, who was that? Uh, Miss Maturo. Yeah, she say Elsie. Elsie, she shout yes. out. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, I can shout all of them out, right? I hey, said, I'm a bear. I'm a ram, and I'm a lion, right? Come on now. <laughs> so, Tonight, I, I wanted to lean um, a little on that knowledge um, just to talk to school administrators 
um, and even high school administrators specifically uh, for the present and future. Okay. Um, and, and looking at the work, uh, the key factor to individual school success is the building principle. Uh, as we know, they set the tone uh, as the school's educational leader, mm -hmm. enforced the positive, convinced the students and the parents and teachers that all children can learn and improve academically. As a successful formal principal, how did you intentionally convey this message uh, to all stakeholders? Okay, so a little bit more about my career. Mm -hmm. I didn't intentionally know what I was doing until this part was done. So remember I told you I started at Hastings as a sub, right? Mm -hmm. David Holmquist was the principal at that point. And David Holmquist made me feel like I was a staff member, right? He made me feel like I, he saw me, in other words, okay? So it made, it, that's to me culture, right? That's a building of culture. So when I went over to Elsick, I had a, um, a math team leader who helped me as a first year teacher figure out what, you know, the right way to go the wrong and the wrong way to go. So again, intentionally, not, not until I got a little further in my career that I, did I recognize that I was taking some of these things with me, if you will. Um, when I became an assistant principal at Taylor, Manette Schaller was my principal. She was the first principal that I, I felt like knew how to build relationships with the kids like the kids would move and, and, and navigate themselves differently because of her, right? She had that kind of rapport and, and relationship. Then I worked for Walter Jackson, right? Walter Jackson is about high expectations, accountability, but always students first, right? That's how we moved. So when I went over to Bush, I sort of packaged all of those things together, right? And then I added my own little piece to the culture, if you will, or I added culture to that whole package. And for me, I used to have a, um, I used to have a little presentation. I call it doing it for the culture, right? And there's four, what I would say are four ingredients that I used. And these were intentional. The first thing for me is vision, right? If you don't have vision, where are you going? Okay. So as the leader, you have to establish what your vision is because everything you do is going to anchor to that vision, right? At Bush High School, when I was there, it was success and nothing less. That was the vision for every single kid that walked in the doors. My expectation was that we added value to every kid. Success looks differently for every kid, right? But whatever it looked like, it's our job to help them reach that potential, whatever that potential is. So vision and success, nothing less for me, they heard that every single day. The second ingredient to this building of culture is repetition, right? Every single day you hear, welcome to Bush High School where we expect success and nothing less. Every time I had a parent meeting, welcome to Bush High School where we expect success and nothing less. Anytime I had kids in front of me, freshman orientation, what? welcome to Bush High School, where we expect success, nothing less. And I would go into what that really meant, right? Because I strongly believe that in every decision I made was about whether it was going to help kids be successful because it's nothing less will do, right? So for anybody that's out there, your vision, I wanted, when, when, I, when I left Bush and when I was, I guess, 
entering Bush. I wanted it to be a school that I wanted my own kids to go to. Okay. So a part of my upbringing is that structure, right? So the high expectations and accountability came very naturally for me. Um, it, it, it was, I don't know, like I said, it was natural for me to, to give people expectations. And as you do that, you can't just give expectations. You got to circle back and inspect, right? And you have to have those hard conversations when expectations are not being being met. So, um, so I would say vision, right? Um, repetition, that's the second ingredient. The third ingredient for me was visibility and presence. Oh, Dr. Creer was everywhere, right? Because I'm expecting you to still meet this vision when you're on a track, when you're on the field, when you're at McDonald's, right? All of the places that you go, you represent Bush High School. And that was something that, again, repetitious. Every time I had kids in front of me, that's what they heard from me. I would give them examples and I would talk to kids, right? When they're in high school, they need their principal to talk to them. I would tell people there's no way the kids don't know who their principal is. If they don't know me, that means they just got here yesterday. Yeah. Because, <laughs> right, I'm in I'm in the mix. Yeah. And to make sure every kid knew who I was, I would orientate them no matter when they started. If they started February 2nd, I had an orientation with them in my office for them so that I could explain to them how we do it, right? That's culture. On, this is how we do things at Bush High School. The last piece of that puzzle or the last, I guess, ingredient is relatability. And so a lot of my um, culture building was with kids because it was more of them than it was of us. So if I could get kids to understand the vision and the culture and what we were trying to do at Bush, we you, we couldn't lose. Right. Um, and so that relatability piece, being able to relate to kids, showing up to these baseball games, soccer games, basketball, like showing up, orchestra, theater, whatever, showing up just to be able to say, you know, I saw you, I see you. Kids, they respect that, right? And so they know that the things that I was asking them to do was in their best interest. And so they they jumped right on. It was not, it wasn't a, a hard dip for me, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now with adults, adults are very different. Yeah. Um, adults, I use the same, um, the same ingredients, but just kind of, I guess, in a different way. Uh, but again, they heard the same things that the kids heard. Mm -hmm. This was nobody could have gone to that school for as long as I was there and didn't get it mm -hmm. right. It was understood. This is how we move. This is what we do. We expect for our kids to right. We expect them to be successful. That's and it's our job to make sure they do that. Um, when I hired, you know, it's important to hire people that understand the vision and the direction that the school is moving in. On, and even in those interviews, you have to ask questions that lend themselves to determining whether that's true or false, because we know how interviews go, right? You want to say all the right things. Yeah. Um, but you, so you have to be very, I guess, uh, intentional about the questions that you ask people to determine whether these were the right people that you wanted on staff. I believe in building teacher capacity, right? I can't do all this by myself. Remember, I'm the tone setter. I can't run the whole race. Yeah. Right. So you have to build capacity on your campus uh, in order to move that needle, if you will. That was very, very important to me. Collaborating with people um, and not just in my building, but outside of the building. Mm -hmm. Right. To 
determine what kind of decisions we needed to make that were in the best interest of our kids. So, and a lot of that is some of those things are in my, in my actual dissertation. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those uh, strategies. But for me, like I said, those were the four, like the ingredients to building that culture. I I just, I, um, I'm going to stand on culture because I think like a farmer, you know how a farmer, you got good soil, right? You're going to get a harvest, right? You've been going. You're going to get a harvest. Okay. So for educators, culture is the soil, mm-hmm. right? And if we want our most bountiful harvest, we know we have to continue to, to work on our culture. And now when you when you moved from the campus, uh, like to the director position or even the position you're in now, mm-hmm. how do you kind of, because right then you control the reins. That's right. So then how was it pulling back and now having to convey that to 20, 30 people? <laughs> okay, so I had a little stint in between, which was uh-huh. helpful. Um, my, my, you know, I was very nervous about, about leaving the school. I, I will be very honest with you. I knew that, um, you know, my time or I had reached my glass ceiling really at Bush and I can get into that story a little bit later. You may have a question for me that helps me kind of convey that message, but, um, God had a plan for me to wean me, if you will. So I became an executive principal, right? Over a feeder pattern. So I didn't have the stress of being the principal. I was coaching principals, uh, one high school, one middle school, and four um, elementary schools. So it gave me, um, like I said, a weaning where, you know, I didn't know the kids as much, but I still was on the campus, that kind of thing. And then when I went into the executive director position, then it became very much your leading principals, right? So I would say that when I, I didn't, I, I kind of, rolled over in Fort Bend, right? People knew me, they already, right? They already kind of knew how, how things would go. Um, but I would say I was very intentional coming back to A-Leaf because people knew me, but they didn't know me in this role. Yeah. And so I went and had, I actually did a tour um, before I, I started where I went to meet everybody that I didn't know. Like anybody, any principal that I did not know, I made an effort to see them um, just to introduce myself. Secondly, once I found out who my uh, campus leaders would be, I had one-on-ones with each one of them. And guess what we talked about? We talked about expectations. What are your expectations of me? And then let me share with you what my expectations of you are, right? I came in with, I always have some little quip, if you will, right? So it was area B about our capital B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S, about mm-hmm. our business, yeah. right? So everything everything I do, it anchors to that, Right. Is it about our business and the businesses of kids? The businesses of making sure our kids get the educational experiences that they deserve at the end of the day. So um, those are things that I, you know, it, it's on my it, it's on my signature. It's yeah. it's something that I say all the time. Our, the principals have gotten used to that as well. Uh, we did a retreat um, just so we could kind of bond as a team, yeah. um, and so we, they could again see me um, in the light of. I'm I'm leading you as the leader of your building, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. I'm trying to build that culture just between that that our the area, which is more difficult because you're dealing with principals from middle school, high school, elementary, right? Um, but it's still, I think, one of my goals to make sure that we are accountable to each other, mm-hmm. um, so that you know it it increases um, again student outcomes. Yeah. That's the that's the Right. That's the bread one right there. I, I like, um, you know, the way that you just said 
the meetings, but but sitting there and just having those conversations, being intentional about really building that connection, uh, you know, and depositing before you start withdrawing. Absolutely. Um, I watched a video last night and um, it was a guy talking about his organization. And so he was walking on the side of the guy and he was like, okay, we'll speed up a little or slow down. And so uh, then he said, okay, now stop face me. And then he put his hands and start pushing, you know, so now they're pushing back. So he said, look what happened. As long as he felt that I was walking right with him, I got him to do anything that I wanted him to. But when I got ready to push on him and he felt that I was pushing, he started pushing back. And he mm -hmm. said, that's how it works inside the organization. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And you know, you know, this uh, relationships are everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it, it's the, the foundational core of, of what we do. Yeah. Um, so that's important. And for me, it was, you know, I, I, I don't know. Some, I think some people thought I was just driving around to be driving around. I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm doing this. This is very much intentional. So mm -hmm. I can so you can see me as as for who I am and I can see you for who you are. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm very, I guess I'm, I'm so passionate yeah. about student outcomes mm -hmm. um, that sometimes I do probably need to slow down in order to speed up. Yeah. But um, you know, that, that, that could be a, a, a pro and a con for me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, again, I, I just believe that our kids deserve yeah. the very best. And if that's not happening, Ooh, you know, hey. it, 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 it makes me feel some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Now, so, I'm going to say one big part of that, though, is is um, what you talked about in the dissertation about the training. Right. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so um, the, the quality of training principal received prior to taking that position and the professional development they received throughout their career is a major Sure. Back then, their success. Mm -hmm. um, as we look at leading in 2022 through almost mm -hmm. the evolution of education, yeah. sure. how important is it that the district follow through on that statement? And through your experience, uh, what areas of development should those um, beginning principals or beginning high school principals start to look at to connect with their buildings? So leadership development is so important. I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked this question because when I think back on my career and the first day I sat in that seat with my stomach bubbling over, right? Not really knowing what it was about to be like to be a principal because I think a lot of people look at whoever that person is in the seat and they, oh, I can do that, right? <laughs> That's right, uh, but I had, uh, I had lots of exceptional mentors and so, again, I was able to formulate sort of a template for what this should look like. But I think now, um, with there being so many more challenges, um, it's going to be important for, I want to say, just districts as a whole, just districts around the, the, the nation to come up with a position that's sort of like a principal coach, okay, we're going to look at some things like that for A-Leaf, but you need somebody there with you literally day to day in the background. Now, you know, you're still the principal, but it's like the team behind the team, right? You need somebody there with you on the daily to help guide you, at least for the first semester. If I, if the world were mine, that, that, that would be what I would do. Have somebody there the first semester and then that second semester kind of, you know, do that gradual release. Because, I, again, I think we we all take from our experiences, um, and, but sometimes those experiences don't uh, translate over 
into what leadership needs to look like for a specific campus. So again, if the world were mine, I would have somebody that has, you know, some credibility um, that's done that job before to actually sit with that person. Because as an assistant soup, area soup, it is very difficult to get to sit and really coach principles that need support with leadership development because of everything else that's happening. Um, you know, there's this, I think there's this thought process that you have all the time in the world and you really don't No. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you're like that big umbrella, but you need somebody that has the little umbrella standing beside principles. So you do what you can in, in you know, the area superintendent role, yeah. but I would say, I mean, the first thing for anybody, because I've seen way too many leaders that do not have vision. Mm. What do you want? Right. If you don't have vision, you are anchoring to absolutely nothing. And you are literally like drowning, probably, and just grabbing for anything you can grab for because you don't have an anchor. Your your vision is your anchor. That is the first thing you have to have. You have to have an entry plan. What are you going to do the first 30, 60, 90 days? Mm -hmm. Like really sit down and think about that. And, and that's what that principal coach could help new leaders with. What happens when? Right. They have that person there that can help them kind of navigate that situation. Our schools are in such um, challenging times with this learning loss and how do you get it all done? There's an art to delegation that our new leaders have to have some sense of, if you will, because you can't do it all. Again, you're the tone seller. You're, you're the first leg, but you cannot do it all. You have to learn to delegate things so that things can 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 get done and get done with fidelity, because, of course, you're supposed to be in PLCs. Of course, you're supposed to be in these planning meetings. Right. You're supposed to be everywhere, but you can't be everywhere. So you have to have those people that, you know, you can trust in those in those positions that can stand in the gap, if you will. Um, but that like I said, that first thing, that vision, you must have a vision. You must have expectations and people have to know what they are. Right. You can have them all day long. But if you don't articulate what your expectations are again, you're going nowhere. nowhere. Um, so uh, articulating those expectations, but also following up, you know, the whole inspect what you yeah, expect. What you expect. Right. Um, I would say you have to learn how to build culture. What kind of culture do you want on your campus? Right. And you have to build it. Culture is so easily destroyed. Culture vultures. so easily destroyed. But it's very difficult to start from foundation up. So you have to really determine, you know, where you are in that, you know, in that particular building um, and what you want your culture to look like. And culture, you know, just like Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. Neither was culture. Right. Yeah. You have to trust the process and the things that you put in place. Most definitely. And, and thinking about those leadership models um, from instructional leadership, shared leadership, um, Transformational leadership. Uh, mm -hmm. I think about uh, my friend Dr. Snow, uh, his Transformational Leaders Network. So I was like, okay, Doc, thank you, Slick. Yeah. <laughs> which one of these models um, most fits you as an administrator? And and have you shifted from when you were in the classroom to now leading administrators to a different model? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, things are so situational. Right. I think if I had to give myself a title, I probably would say I'm transformational just because I like to 
do things that other people have never done. Okay. Um, I like to win. Okay. So people that I am supervising, people that I'm over, I want to see them win. Right. And sometimes you have to transform some practices on those campuses in order to get to the to first place in their race. Um, so I would say probably generally speaking, more transformational. I was an associate principal of instruction. So instructional leadership is, you know, right there. Yeah. Right. People have to see you as being credible and knowing what best practices look like. You don't have to know everything about math, science, English, social studies. What you need to know is best practices. What's going to help kids get the results you're seeking? Right. And that it, it's across it's across all content areas. Um, I would say you named uh, what's, what's another leadership. Uh, so we got instructional share teacher mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. distributed. OK, shared leadership for sure. Again, that's that art of delegation. I worked under it. Like I said, Walter Jackson, and he he is a master. <laughs> OK, a master of delegation. So shared leadership for sure, because you cannot do it all. If you try to do it all, you will dig yourself an early grave. You have to learn, again, how to put those people in the right places and build capacity on your campus. There are people on people's campuses that have never even been touched just because you never touched them. Right. There are people who and they're probably not waiting for you to, to touch them. But if you do touch them, they're going to feel like, oh, my God, they see something in me. And they're going to do the very, very best job for you that they can. Yeah. Um, the teacher leadership. I believe in that so strongly that during my faculty meetings, it was them. They were leading faculty meetings. What were they leading? Instructional practices, instructional strategies, just putting them in the front um, so that their peers could see, uh, you know, what leadership looked like across the board. You know, high school is very large. So we're very siloed, if you will. Mm -hmm. Math only hangs with math. Yeah. You know, you know how it goes. It yeah. was only week, right. So we gave them opportunities to even um, show yeah. themselves uh, in front of their uh, in front of their peers. And, and like I said, talk about best instructional practices that could be used beyond just their content area. So I really believe in all of those things. And you have to you, you, there's no one there's right. There's no one right answer because there's way too much work for that. You have to be able to take all of those styles and mesh them together for the situation that, that you're in. Mm. And um, another piece was how much of uh, that principle uh, affects students achievement through their association with the teachers mm -hmm. who they interact with daily. Mm -hmm. So as a school leader, uh, is there any way to verbalize <laughs> as a successful school leader, how much mm -hmm. your success is tied to others? And also, um, how do, did you empower new leaders to get to understand that? So, it, 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 well, for me, I guess I would say I started I started as a principal with that presentation on doing it for the culture. Yeah. Like I literally laid out pieces like I gave you the ingredients, but I laid out pieces to what those ingredients looked like. Um, I haven't done that as much. After COVID, it just kind of knocked me off my feet. Um, doing Zoom presentations is really not my style because I like to, I like connections, right? I want to connect with my audience. And so it was difficult for me to make that um, adjustment. But I would say anytime I have, anytime, like when I was working with the uh, the small group, the uh, 
the the executive principal group that I had, it was, I mean, because the group was so small, it made it so much easier for me to literally take them through, like, this is what culture right building looks like. Um, And so when you ask like that relationship piece and how you can, I don't know how you even get to a leadership. I don't know how you get to being a principal if you don't know how to build relationships. I just don't even know how you would get there. Yeah. Um, because, because that is so important. Um, people want to see you as somebody they can, you know, come to that, that will help them solve problems. They just want to see you as somebody they would literally follow if, if no matter where you went. And so I think it's important again to um to build those connections with people, build that trust. Um, and that's the pieces that's going to help you the most as you kind of navigate that principalship. Um, Sitting down with new leaders, like I said, I wish that I had the kind of time that I had as an executive principal. I wish that I wish I had that kind of time to literally go through that motion with them. Um, Unfortunately, uh, that has not happened. It may be something that I try to engage with next year because I know it's powerful. Like there are people who literally... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they literally leave that session and they feel like a totally different person because I'm giving them nuggets yeah. that they can actually use things. They can actually take back things mm-hmm. that work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course I would say this as, as well as a new leader for those listening, you have to listen and you have to be open to suggestions because when you're a new leader, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important to listen and take feedback from those that are giving it to you um, in the moment, right? And, you know, of course you process it and you, you know, you try to put it to work, but that's very, very important as a new leader. I've seen the demise of new leaders because they come behind somebody and they think that they can do better than what the person that was before them did. Well, you may, but you're not going to do it year one, right? So (laughs) it's important to stay humble in that, in that respect. And learn and learn, uh, you know, learn along the way. Yeah. I, I would say to you, your your um your tribe should be people that are resourceful, or you can call on them, you know, when you need to. As a new principal, I think it's very important to surround yourself with people who are going to not just agree with you every time, yeah. but give you some real like, yeah, real life. No, that's not what you. That's not the route you need to take. Um, so I would say that as well. New new principles coming in. Mm. Now, when I talked to HD on the podcast, um, I told him about we talked about connecting to the students and um, making relationships and bridges between colleges. So you know, he talked about like the Nebraska, mm-hmm. and so I said yes. But how do we go to Prairie View or how mm-hmm. do we go to TSU mm-hmm. and begin to bring in more leaders uh, that? you know, really connect with those kids on that mm-hmm. deeper level. Uh, and so I pose that question to you uh, as, a, as a fellow Panther. We do sure. produce productive yes, people. Indeed. You know. <laughs> so how do we uh, go inside of those schools and, and build those bridges like we do with the, uh, Nebraska or something like that? Well, I think what you're saying is, is, is that piece, that building of bridges, that connection, that partnership. Um, it has to start. Um, and it has to be something that we rely on, if you will. Now, I'll go back and I'll say this. 
Um, this is not even, this is really not a new subject. We have for decades and probably centuries at this point seen a, a missing piece in education. Um, with, and I'll just speak and say with African-American males, um, our kids need to see that. So before we even get to the university, we have to determine how or what it is we're going to do to even attract people to our field. Um, and, and I don't have an answer for that. I, I hope that somebody out there actually does. Um, I don't have that answer, but to me, it starts way before they even get to the university, yes. right? Like, what are we doing even in our high schools to, to sort of send kids that direction, mm -hmm. you know, or what are the universities doing? What What is anybody doing to, to help us in our state of education? You know, as well as I know, everybody that's listening, we are losing teachers left and right. They are leaving the field in droves. And so, um, I, like I said, I don't know how the answer, um, but we're going to have to get very, very creative to bring in those high quality applicants because we can't do any of this work without high quality and effective, highly qualified and effective teachers in the classroom. Yeah. We have to have that. Um, and so, you know, of course, the partnerships with, you know, with our uh, regional HBCUs is important. That collaboration is important. Yeah. But we were even in a meeting today where the universities are not even like people are not they're They're not signing up to be education majors. You mm -hmm. know, um, it, it's we're in a very difficult spot. And I, like I said, I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. Um, people always say, oh, more money. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I don't know if if that's really the true answer. I'm sure it helps. Yeah, right? it helps. Yeah, help. <laughs> yeah, but I think in a world of, of of now being so cognizant and so openly to talk about your well being and talk about wellness and take care of yourself, if people see it as stressed out, the money is not important that much. There anymore. you go. There you, you know, go. So, huh? well, there's some, yeah, there's a lot of I think structural things happening with our field that's preventing us um, from being, you know, the field of choice, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that's unfortunate mm -hmm. because we we have to educate our kids. Yeah. We need the best people in place to do that. So that's a great question. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, right now, I do not have an answer. <laughs> if you did, we'd be rich. I would, you know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This would be a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So as we close it out, I, I just wanted to wrap it up. Um, standard practices that school leaders, regardless of the context, must focus on or focusing on the goals and the mission, mm -hmm. maintaining the school-wide focus on critical instructional areas, mm -hmm. uh, supporting instructional improvement by supervising the teaching and learning process, monitoring school and student progress, and communicating expectations for high performance. Did I miss anything as we close this thing out, Doc? The only thing you missed was that building of culture. You have to build culture. You have to do that. That is a must. That is a must. That's I was it. everything you capped on was exactly what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it has to happen with fidelity. You have to have this unwavering passion for student outcomes. Because when you have that unwavering passion, even when you get tired, you go back to it. That's your why. Mm -hmm. 
right? So even when you get tired, you have to, you, you're going to remember, you know what, I'm doing this for kids. No matter what the state keeps putting on top of us, no matter what the district keeps doing, I am here for kids, right? Um, you got to go back to that why. That is a must. And again, that culture piece, it really kind of shapes, um, it, it shapes that environment for you to be successful. Dr. Creer, I know that you had a long day and it's Friday <laughs> Eve. So yes. I want to say thank you for coming on. I told you this was going to be a masterclass. <laughs> you know, I, so I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to come on to, to talk uh, a little bit about the work, about your knowledge, uh, and really help uh, new administrators and present in, uh, administrators to grow. I appreciate right. it. I appreciate the invitation. Man, I, I think about the dissertation. It gave me a little different pep uh, after I just read everything <laughs> last night. I'm telling you, I went in this morning like, okay, I'm listening, look, listening in classes a little different. I said, yes. all right, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, glad I could, uh, you know, at least throw a few nuggets out there. Hopefully it's, it's, it's helpful to somebody. Um, I appreciate you even doing this podcast. Uh, we all need each other. And, this, you know, again, I talked about that tribe, right? Um, so I hope that the tribe that's on the call now um, has grabbed a couple of nuggets and, and it'll help them move forward yeah, with their work it. with kids. And we'll ship it out. So somebody will. All right. <laughs> hey, there we go. Well, thank you, Doc. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. This is KT for KTTV signing out. 100. This is Darnell with Broadcast Houston. This is Dr. Tamara Beckford. Hey, this is Candace. This is London Underwood. This is Kirsten Bass with Inner City Greens, and you're watching. Y'all are now tuned in to KTTV. 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 KTTV.